Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. Don't you have portraits of your favorite desserts? Life 107.1. Nothing makes you feel older than when technology gets the better of you. I, you know what? <laughs> I'm in my 30s, but I feel like I'm 80 using my cell phone sometimes. Well, and that this is the little offensive character right here is this cell phone. When they tell me that they're about to do some kind of update on my phone, uh-huh. my reaction is, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Because something is going to be different about my phone the next time I, I open and it up. And you're not going to be able to figure and out how I'm to use it. And I'm not going to be able to figure out how to use it. <laughs> the thing that I didn't realize had happened with my last update was that if you hold your phone a certain way and you're texting somebody, your phone can start recording you and send an audio text. Oh. Yeah. So if you are texting with your son and he's asking you a question and you answer it, but you turn your phone a certain way, the thing that you continue to say out loud... Actually, then gets texted to your kid something along the lines of, oh, I wish he would just save his money instead oh, of spending no. his money. And he's got this money and it's burning a hole in his pocket. And I wish that he would just hold on to it. All those things that you just say out loud to yourself as a mom. Did you send that text? It, my phone sent it to oh, my no. son. Oh, Jen. And then text back. Did you mean to send that to me? And I was like, send what? He's like, I just heard you say all that stuff, Mom. <laughs> That's something that I looked up and I'm like, why did my phone just do that? So I had to go and find this switch yeah. that I toggled. So on the new update, <laughs> iPhone will send your inner monologue to your children. Ah, uh, technology. Now, everybody's got a different approach. Mm-hmm. You know, some people want to get rid of the old stuff and bring in the new as soon as it comes out. And that's fine. And then there are others that like to keep the old technology around for a while. Do you have a really old piece of technology, Sherry? I happen to be talking on one of them, and I have a 2007 flip phone. Woo! Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, so mine is an LG Octane where you flip it open and you got the little quirky keyboard on there. Mm-hmm. And um, Verizon's been telling me every month for almost the last six, seven months that by the end of this year, it will be obsolete. Oh! I took a video on it like two years ago and sent it to a son in Arizona in law enforcement. And he said to me, Mom, did you take that on a stone tablet? <laughs> Hey, Paul, what's the oldest technology you got? I have a Texas TI-1 battery-operated calculator. (laughs) Wow. Why? Because it still works. There you go. (laughs) When the power goes out, when the phone goes out, it still works. Okay, why do you need a calculator when the power goes out? Just never know when you're going to have to balance your checkbook, you know? (laughs) There's just some things, you know. You still have a checkbook that you balance. But I do it with a stone tablet. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you think we keep these things around? I, you know what? For me, I get used to using it. I know where all the buttons are. I've got my my system down. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to upgrade. Mm, that made you sound old. I know. <laughs> I, I recognize this about myself. There is a piece of technology in your home that is considered outdated by our culture. We want to know about the oldest one in your house. My neighbor has a dial. Telephone. Nice. My kids, who are all now in their 30s, were absolutely fascinated with that dial telephone. (laughs) 
And my aunt, who was probably the wealthiest in the family, had a little silver feather attached to a little ball, and that's what you dialed the phone with so that you didn't wreck your nail. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard of that. Wow. That's the only one I'd ever seen. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Bluetooth, still got it. VCR, still got it. Come on, you guys. <laughs> Taylor, ask me how it feels to have... My baby be 18. That's right. Ben's 18. Now, how does it feel that your youngest child is now 18? I actually feel pretty good about myself. Good. (laughs) Good. We celebrate birthdays, whether they're eight or 18, with the same amount of gusto. Birthdays are a really big deal to you. They are. Basically, it starts... With donuts. Naturally. (laughs) It makes sense. This year, the donuts were from Highland Bakery, which, oh, wow. And then it always ends with the dinner of their choice. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal. The kids know that mom's going to be like, where do you want to go to dinner? Where do you want to go to dinner? So you got to start working on that that Yeah, because both my children are like, well, I don't know. Where do you want to go? It's not my birthday. Tell me where you want to go. So um, we actually ended up going to a couple of different places and really, really enjoying some family time and the fact that I have two adult children. Good job. Thank you. You're a mom of grownups. I am. (laughs) And I'm barely a grown up myself. I know. It's crazy you did that before your 30th birthday. I know. I know. I'm so impressed with you. That is going to become less and less believable all the time, Taylor. (laughs) Just don't worry about the math. Don't do the math. I don't know what it is, but there's probably something that you and your family do to make birthdays special. And we just want to hear about it. My grandma loves crafting everything. And she always gives us like something homemade that takes her hours. Like this past year, she gave everyone in the family a quilt on their birthday. Oh, she just loves working with all that type of stuff. She's given us like placemats and she always mm. does them handmade. Everything. Always some of the most gorgeous things. Do you remember what she gave you on your last birthday? On my last birthday, um, she actually handmade me a quilt for my twin size bed. That was relevant to me being in the Marine Corps. Oh, my goodness gracious. Are you serious? On the front, there's like a soldier on it with USMC logos all over it. Mm. And then on the back, she even has a handwritten letter for it. That is a treasure in many ways. Yeah. I mean, it's priceless to you, I know, but quilts are so rare anymore that actually would probably have a really high price tag on it. Uh, she said she got it appraised for like $5,000. No, my Whoa. goodness, I was right. Whoa. Wow. Man. Now that's special, but that's special in so many ways. Yeah. You're Man, really to blessed to have her. A hundred percent. She is absolutely amazing. We start birthday traditions pretty early. We do. Well, that first birthday. That's important. With the smash cake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We start those traditions and they continue as the kiddos grow up and they are really special. And then they grow up and they become radio hosts and they talk about them on the air. (laughs) Somewhere along the way, as my brother and I were growing up, one of the hobbies my mom got into was stamps. Stamping. Like she would go to Hobby Lobby and she'd get all those rubber stamps and all the interesting kinds of inks and the Mm -hmm. card stock and all the tools. 
and she got into making homemade handmade cards. That is so cool. I had a best friend that did that. And they were, I mean, they were these beautiful, beautiful. cards. Oh yeah, because you get the special paper. Mm-hmm. She could cut little patterns into them. So like you might have multiple layers of cardstock and like they've got designs in the corners. And She was serious. Oh man, she had all the toys and it was like if she had a little bit of extra fun money, she'd go get some new like sort of technique and figure out how to incorporate it into a card. And so it just got to a point where on every birthday I would get up and at my spot at the table where I was going to be eating breakfast, there'd be a brand new handmade card. She would have found a stamp that matched up with what my interest of the year had been. And it was just this beautiful personalized thing that I just knew was going to be at my my spot every morning. Was there a drum stamp? I think there was a drum stamp at one point. She got like animal from the Muppets to be on there. It was really fun. That's awesome. But here's the thing. I, I was talking about this yesterday, and my mom said she had no idea those cards meant anything. Oh. So here's what I want to say. Like, if you're a parent, just because your kid doesn't say something out loud doesn't mean that they don't notice the ways you're taking care of them. Oh. We were sitting in my office. I was scrolling through Facebook, and I was like, oh, Taylor, look at this picture of this merry-go-round. Mm-hmm on a playground and it just it made me ask Taylor a question I was like what was your favorite thing to do on the playground when you were a kid and then he told me this we had one of those like wooden jungle gyms with like the slides and the monkey bars and all that stuff and I would climb to the highest part of that piece of wooden equipment and I would look down over the playground all over the place the gravel because they didn't have the like the rubberized stuff to jump into anymore <laughs> and I just jump off it was you know it was probably a good 10 feet in the air that's the part that I was like what I just yeah that was just I didn't slide down the slide I didn't climb the monkey bars it was me and my friends would take turns climbing to the highest point we possibly could and we'd just jump off into the gravel and ruin every pair of pants that you have oh and yeah skin your knees and stub your toes it got bad enough to a point where the teachers had to set appropriate heights like you can jump off of this side of the equipment but not this like they, they had to give us an opportunity to jump off of something just stay away from the one that's like over the big slide So, someday when your child is running around in a playground, are you going to want him to jump off the highest part? (laughs) No! You can't jump off the playground equipment. That's not what it's for. (laughs) When I was a kid, there was a thing that I loved to do on the playground that I never, ever wanted to see Piper and Ben do, but I completely understood it. But I understood it. Okay. All right? I would get on one of those swings, and I would start pumping my little legs, Mm -hmm. and I would go higher. And higher, and the wind would be going through my hair, and you just keep pumping because you think to yourself, maybe I can actually go all the way around. Loop the loop, which never it doesn't work. But anyway, but then you would get to just that right spot, and you would just kind of bring up your courage, and then you would jump. Dude, jumping off the swings was awesome. You remember? You, I can remember that moment. The feeling of freedom. In, yeah. Suspended in air and you're like, yeah. and then you come down. Whoop. You know, I've done that as a grown up. No. It hurts. <laughs> it really hurts, Jen. You look at a playground as a child one way. Mm-hmm. You look at that playground as an adult another way. Because there were definitely things that you did on that playground as a child 
that as an adult, you would not want your children to do. What was that for you, Matt? Me and my brothers would climb the the towers, you know, or the, the pyramid-shaped roof. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On some of the playgrounds. We would climb those and then try and get onto the top of them. Yeah. And then we would jump off of them. No! Why? So... Whenever I have kids, I don't think I'd ever let my kids yeah. ever do that. You would go to the <laughs> highest pinnacle that you could find, oh, yeah. and you would jump off of it. We kind of thought it as a challenge. Sure you did. I did the so. exact same thing. There's something really satisfying about it when all you're you young guys, and your right? joints are all made out of rubber. What would what would have happened right. if Sir Edmund Hillary, if he would have done that when he first climbed Everest, if he would have jumped off? <laughs> He would have been a legend on the playground. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Still one of my favorite quotes of all time. Why did you climb Everest? Because it was there. That's the same reason why I ate all the donuts. Because they were there. So basically, I'm the same as a mountain climber. Exactly. So we've all been bad at something. Oh, yeah. Right? Okay. All of us have been bad at something. You can think of that thing that you're not great at. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's cooking. Uh, golf. What golf? <laughs> okay, yeah. But have you ever been so spectacularly bad at something that people literally took it away from you? <laughs> so our friend Mariah that you hear in the afternoons here at Life 107.1, the three of us were sitting in my office last week and she just told this story out of the blue and Taylor and I were looking at her. Both of us our mouths were wide open. We were just like what? I didn't know Mariah was bad at anything. I know. She's pretty amazing at a lot of things. But anyway, so she told us this story, and we have permission to tell it, just so you know. <laughs> Once upon a time, not so long ago, <laughs> she was on a worship team, and uh, they decided to kind of spice up one of their worship songs, right? Yeah. And so Mariah got a tambourine she got to sing and play tambourine and mariah has a lovely voice mm -hmm. and she was singing and she was glorifying the lord and she was tambourining and that was practice well then it came time to perform the worship song and mariah was looking for her tambourine and it was nowhere to be found. Hmm. And so they had to go on and they had to do the worship song. And Mariah sang it beautifully, but no tambourine. It was a conspicuous absence. And later on, the rest of the worship team confessed to her. She couldn't find the tambourine because they hid it from her because she was so bad at it. Apparently, Mariah is not so great at playing the tambourine. <laughs> To the point that people have to hide them from her. You know what the best thing to do is if you are spectacularly bad at something? Laugh at yourself. Exactly! And confess your failures to Taylor and Jen. When I was just finished my first year of college, taking a summer job as a waitress. For reference, I was not, you know, very good in the kitchen at home anyway, either. So, someone asked what the size of the steak was. <laughs> I like held up my hand to show like the shape, the size of a snake. <laughs> like not, oh, it's eight ounces. It's like, oh, you know, you look. <laughs> it's about like this. Also, someone wanted pie, and they wanted it all mode, 
And I don't remember if I brought it to him first, but he's like, well, can we have that warmed up? So I take it back to the microwave, and I put the pie with the ice cream on it. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So out of curiosity, how long were you at this place? Maybe two months if that. Yeah. I I knew, like, this was not for me. Sent back enough melted ice cream, and they're like, maybe this isn't for you. They were church ladies. They were friends of my mom. (laughs) I knew their daughters and their sons, and I hung out with them. And these ladies still threw me out of class. You got interesting Jen Green thrown out of class. Oh, my mom threw me out of class once. Too. I was gonna say I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm not commentating on whether I'm surprised or not. I'm just saying it's an interesting piece of data to hear. I mean, that's a whole nother story of my mother, who was my French teacher, throwing me out of class and sending me to the principal's office, who happened to be my dad. And no, I wasn't homeschooled. But anyway, that's another story. Let's talk about the time that the church ladies threw me out of class. <laughs> so at the church that I grew up in, out on the East Coast, the ladies in the church decided that we young people needed to learn some skills. And, you know, among those skills that they wanted to have these little classes and teach us about was sewing. There were no tests. There were no quizzes. It was just something that happened after school one or a couple of days a week. And I was 12 or 13 in that area. And so I walk into the first sewing class and all of these lovely ladies have brought in their sewing machines and they've lined them up on some of the desks. And then the very first project they give us is placemats and napkins. Seems pretty simple. They're square. Yeah. Do you know that a sewing machine has a pedal? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know that you can push on that pedal to make the sewing machine go faster? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you think that faster would be better? Did you have a lead foot with a sewing machine? (laughs) Is that what you're telling me right now? I had this motto. (laughs) Put the pedal to the metal and let her rip. And then I would send the placemat through. And I just push it. And it would like, you know, go off and like across the middle. And I would. And all the other girls would be like. As they were over there doing it right, you know. Well, one too many pedals to the metal and Betsy Purcell asked me to leave class and I never got to go back again. Yeah, I think you kind of deserve that, Jen. (laughs) In the Bible, we see several major stories about couples that deal with infertility. It's it's incredible when when you like start looking through it. It is a constant theme through there. You've got Abraham and Sarah. Mm -hmm. You've got the story of Hannah. Mm-hmm. One story that gets a little bit overlooked, though, because it's in the midst of the Christmas story, is Elizabeth and Zechariah. Yeah, the parents of John the Baptist. It wasn't until Zechariah and Elizabeth were in very advanced years that an angel came to Zechariah and said, your wife is going to conceive. And Zechariah basically questioned the angel. Mm-hmm. And the angel said, OK, well, It's still going to happen, but you're not going to be able to talk until the baby is born because you questioned me. Wow. In this wonderful devotional that I read, they took it from the viewpoint of somebody interviewing Elizabeth. And they said to Elizabeth, they said, were you disappointed in Zechariah's response? And she's (laughs) like, well, I was a little sad that he didn't get to talk. She said, but I was very understanding of the fact that we had agonized Mm -hmm. through this trial our entire lives. We prayed that God would give us a baby and he didn't choose to do it until way at the end. 
And the woman that was writing this devotional said, if I were Elizabeth, I, w- I could say this. There's a different way to pray through trials. Instead of God, lift this trial from me. God, change me through this trial. Because one thing you know about Elizabeth and Zechariah, when John the Baptist became their child, they were ready. Mm -hmm. They were full of gratitude. And the only way it was possible was through God. So when we go through trials and we, are, we want to pray, God, take this from us, take this from us. Maybe the better way to pray is, God, change me mm-hmm. so that on the other side, everybody can see that this was you. Yeah. So when you're going through a rough time, you can and probably should, God, take this away from me, make it stop. Yeah. But you can also pray, God, use this to change me to look more like you. Mm. And there's actually a promise in the Bible about it. It's it's in James. It's one of those crazy verses where he says, hey, consider it joy when you're facing trials. I don't get that. And he said, there's a because there. It's not just like, hey, celebrate. You're in pain. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I think there's this beautiful thing that God uses the hard times in our life to change us into something better. Well, isn't it interesting that in specific, it says that it's trials and hard times that mature us. This weird thing's been happening to me. I mean, Lindsay and I have been going through some stuff trying to get pregnant. We've been dealing with infertility for several years now. Um, And there has been a lot of heartbreak through there. And there have been a lot of prayers that God would bring us to the end of this chapter and into the next one where Mm -hmm. we're, we're able to have a baby. Take this from us. And this year in particular has felt like one of the hardest years, but it's weirdly also been one of the most joyful years. And I totally can't explain it. You know, there's the verse in the Bible that says God gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. This is a joy that surpasses all understanding. Mm -hmm. I can't explain why I can have so much hope to look to the future when all the data I have built up from the last few years has been so hard. But for whatever reason, My marriage with Lindsay is as strong as it's ever been. And my joy and hope for the future has been as strong as it's ever been. And it's not because I changed anything in my philosophy or I had some revelation. I think it's because of this verse right here in James. Trials and tribulation produce perseverance and turn you into a more mature and complete person, not lacking anything. And guess what? Nothing in there is about me having to try harder. Mm. God does his work in you. If you've got his spirit in there, he's going to do it. I guess when you stop and think about it, there are a few things that need to be explained. If you come visit me in my office, as we had a couple groups actually do yesterday, there is kind of a mountain of toys in one corner of the office. Just little doodads that I've gotten from record labels and stuff. And I just think they're goofy and I like to collect them. Mm-hmm. And nobody is surprised by that. Nobody. Yeah. You know, they're all like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but the one that always draws questions as they're looking around my office and they see pictures of my family, pictures of my wife, notes that I've written on a dry erase board for myself. They always pause in the very corner because up there is a painting of an Oreo cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's honestly one of my favorite decorations in the room, but I get why people would think it's a little odd nestled between my college <laughs> diploma and anniversary photos of my wife. There is, on a beautiful aqua background, a picture of a cheesecake with an Oreo on top. And, and here's the deal. 
First of all, I love Oreos, mm-hmm. so I'm going to take an opportunity to have Oreo memorabilia in my office. All times. But also, it was a gift from our own Mariah that you hear in the afternoons. She is a fantastic painter, and she was my secret Christmas buddy <laughs> one year. And her gift to me was a hand-painted portrait of an Oreo cheesecake. And it's awesome! It's like the best thing in the world! But people do kind of wonder... Why Taylor has picture of a piece of cheesecake. <laughs> and I'm always like, don't you have portraits of your favorite desserts? To you, it's just a part of the fabric of your life. Mm-hmm. To others, it is a decoration that absolutely has to be explained. You got something like that, Rodney? I'm a truck driver and, and I used to be over the road. And at the truck stop, they saw all these little things. And I started collecting uh, blown glass stuff for my wife. And that'd be like a unicorn or a ballerina or something like that. Yeah. One time I brought her a red hot pepper, probably about three inches long, and I handed it to her and she goes, what's, what's this one for? I was like, because you're still my hot mama. Oh, oh yeah! Good husband move. I know. Yeah, right? That go over well? Oh, yeah. It does, Good. Yeah. It, Good. it sits on our shelf and every once in a while, one of my grandkids asks what it is. I was like, because Wawa's still a hot mama. And they're like, oh. Uh, I gotta go home. (laughs) (laughs) To you, it makes sense. Maybe you even love it. But to a guest, they don't understand. And then you have to explain it. It was not my idea, but so I got to give props to Paul Sweet. He's in Ames and I'm in Ames. They decided that when they were reading Revelations, they would meet eventually at the north side main gate when they all are in heaven. And so he started making these little placards that he gives out to people now. And that's how I ended up with one. And it says the initials NSMG. But why he made it that way is so that it will spark conversation. So now it's sitting in my house. And when people see this NSMG, they ask, what is that? And I say, well, that's where we're going to all meet in heaven. North side, main gate. I love that. That's so fun. That's wonderful. Yeah. I wonder if we'll really be able to do that. I know. Wouldn't that be great? I wonder if I'll know directions when I'm in heaven. Is there a north in heaven? (laughs) I I know. I don't know directions now, so I might be in the south one. But I just love it. That's a super idea. Thanks for sharing that. Just in case you end up at the south gate, that's probably where I'll be too, so we'll be okay. We'll be oh, together. You'll find us there. Excellent. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, guys. As long as you can look at it and smile, that's really what matters, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But like Taylor, like me, there's <laughs> something in your house, in your office. It's a decoration that you have to explain to other people. Me and my husband have a lot of inside jokes, and we have a shelf in our house that is covered um, <laughs> with all these jokes. Like, Ooh. we have a package of puppy pads um, <laughs> because I have a weak bladder. Nice. <laughs> so you're so proud of your practical jokes that you just have a shelf in honor of them. 
Yeah. Why do you have puppy training pads? You don't have a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, now we do, but when we didn't, it was. That oh, was a lot more confusing. <laughs> We've been married two and a half years, and we finally opened them when we got her. <laughs> actually the Taylor and Jen podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.